Welcome to episode 11 of the Masterclass Podcast. Welcome to the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Michael Tabaradi, business coach and mindset mentor. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or empowering message to help you unleash your personal power. Thanks for tuning in. Now let the class begin. If you're looking to start an online service-based business as a personal brand, yet don't know what to do and how to start, then you have come to the right place. What if you could have a systematic step-by-step approach to building your business? It so happened that I have that very blueprint and I'm offering business coaching to help personal brands build their online service-based business. You will learn how to find your value, discover your ideal customer, set up your business, create your product whilst making money and launch your business to eventually scale it. If you're interested, send me a direct message on Instagram at Mike underscore Tabaradi. That is Mike underscore T-A-B-I-R-A-D-E. Or feel free to comment below and I'll get in touch. Once again, if you want to start an online service-based business as a personal brand, contact me and we can make this truly happen. Now let's get started with the podcast. It was Hans Christian Andersen who once said, where words fail, music speaks. Welcome to episode 11 of the Masterclass podcast. We have an extremely ambitious and inspiring music creative, co-founding a platform that lifts and elevates musicians and invigorates powerful thinking. He is also part of a saxophone band and continuing to shine colour into people's lives with his music projects. I'd like to all introduce you to Lewis Daniel. Hey, welcome to the show, Lewis. How are you doing today? Yeah, good, good, really good. Good, yeah. good, good, good stuff, good stuff. It's it's great to have you on a show. You're the first musician on this show. Um, and I don't just handpick anybody. I love your your ability to play the saxophone and all of the other stuff that you've been doing. So... I guess for the viewers or for the audience, tell us what you do. Um, so basically, I'm a musician, but I would say I'm a multifaceted musician. Like for me, it's not just about playing. So I play the saxophone. I also play the clarinet and flute and sing as well. Oh wow! Um, I do the whole. I guess I could call myself a sort of session musician. So I do that whole thing. So play for artists. I also write stuff for artists. Um, my speciality is like um, horn section arranging. So I often will get a horn section. I've got a horn section called the Biscuit Horns. Um, and then I'll write parts for them and add that to someone's record or to someone's um, live performance. Um, I teach a bit. I teach two days a week to primary school kids. Um, for that kind of constant stream of income to allow me to do all the creative stuff that I want to do as well. Um, I regular, regularly gig around London and outside of London. Yeah, that's about it. And I've got a few like projects of my own that I'm trying to um, do and I'm trying to just be sort of create a creative. So I don't want to really um, limit myself with just being a musician. I'd say, Musician is my specialty, but um, like I want to, I want to do everything. I want to write. I want to produce. I want to film people. I don't want to limit myself because 
yeah, I just want to explore everything. And when you're a musician, you might have like a 50-year career, let's say. Mm-hmm. You've got to reinvent in yourself and you've got to have your you have to have your fingers in different pies as as it were wow that is a lot of stuff and you know you can see why i introduced you as a music creative because i couldn't quite put my finger on just one thing that you do um and it's clear to see that you don't just do one thing so i guess obviously it does start with music what actually inspired you to go down the musical route or the creative route? Well, I think being a musician is less of uh, just choosing a job. It's sort of a calling to me. I, I've been playing music since I was seven years old. And, you know, it was always for me. Like, I don't feel like there was another choice for me. Um, I'm, I love to create, like... You know, I love things like cooking, for example, in my spare time because it's creative and I love creating stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think, I don't know, there wasn't really a choice for me, really, um, with doing music. That's the best thing I've always been good at and shined in. So, um, yeah. So would you say you're more of a creative rather than a musician? Hmm. I'd say... I'd say both. Interesting. I'd say both. Yeah. So just so we can get an understanding of, you know, where you've come from and everything else, tell us a bit about your journey. Where did you grow up? You know, you know, how's your sort of growing up and everything else? And how did you get to where you are currently right now? Okay, that's that's a long journey. <laughs> yes, a lot and we're ready to listen. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I'm only 27, but there's been a lot of like peaks and troughs and hardships I've had to go through, but a lot of great moments mm-hmm. as well. Um, I guess where to start? So, um, one day I I, I, um, I think when I was in primary school, I saw that they had a school choir, and I was like, and they were like, oh, we've just been performing here in assembly, and I was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I um, was quite vocal in the music lessons we used to have with the teacher. And we had a really good music teacher. Um, and she told my parents, because I had a bit of asthma when I was a child. And she said, I'll play a brass instrument that will help with your breathing and stuff. So, And he's really musical and he loves singing and stuff. So do that. So then I took up the euphonium because that's what they offered me and I hated it because the teacher used to shout at me and I didn't practice just wasn't for me like I feel like it's like in Harry Potter where the the um, one chooses the wizard kind of thing with musical instruments it wasn't quite right for me Mm -hmm. so I started playing clarinet in primary school um, and I just really enjoyed it but I you know, I, di- I didn't used to practice as much as I did, and but I always used to be in the school choir and stuff and in the projects and just loving, loving stuff. Um, and then came secondary school, and I'd already had, like, my grade two clarinet by then, so then um, music was my thing, and the first thing I wanted to do was, like, join the school orchestra and, you know, continue that. My best friend at the time... Um, was Sebastian, who, who you know. Yeah. Um, we kind of were like 
rivals is the wrong word, but it was like friendly, friendly competition, uh, competition almost. But we weren't really competing against each other. We were just mm. like, we can do this. I can do this. Let me show you this. And it was quite, uh, it was good because he pushed me. Everything he did, I wanted to do and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, I joined a youth band. Uh, which was a Saturday mornings thing. And then I quickly kind of progressed. It was the Merton Music Foundation, which was a really good um, music service. Um, We got to do really good gigs. Like we would play at Wimbledon Tennis every year. Um, We did the Royal Albert Hall. Um, We did competitions as well. So it it was just really good. And really good to find kids of my age that really were passionate about music weren't cussing me for music because actually Wimbledon College was my secondary school and that was a very negative experience. I'm surprised Mm -hmm. I'm still doing music because Mm. people tried to derail me in in secondary school and tried to and were bullying me and stuff. And And what what was it about it that they were focusing on? They were just like, oh, why are you doing, basically, why are you doing music? And, um, like, oh, you're going to marry your clarinet and all this just negative. And, you know, when you mm. just barrage with that every day, it just mm-hmm. becomes tiresome. But as I said before, music's just always been a part of me. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's something that they could ever kill. And, you know, I realized that with the bully in it, they they sort of saw my determination and my strength mm-hmm. rather than me feeling weak because mm. I didn't really, I thought it was because I was weak and I didn't stand up. It's, it's because I didn't stop. I didn't miss a day of school. I didn't um, stop music because everyone was saying that. And they, they really tried to make me feel isolated. That was the thing. Like you have no friends and mm-hmm. all this rubbish. But, you know, I think that plays into my musicality and the fact that, you know, I've never felt like I've been that person who just fits in with the masses. Mm-hmm. I'm not not as mainstream as other people. So, you know, it's taught me to just stand up with my differences and just power through. Um, yeah, so that, that was a difficult time. But then after the music service stuff, you, I sorry to interrupt you there. So do you do you feel like the holding on to the music is what carried you through? Yeah, and so many kids just don't have something like that. Or yeah. So lucky that I knew what I was good at. Like from mm. year um I obviously wasn't that good when I was in year seven, but I knew that this is something I can do well and I enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. And like I don't think if I didn't have, I'm so grateful to have music and that God has given me um, music because like if I didn't have music, I wouldn't have had that place to go at break time because the music room was always open for me to go and practice or just even mess about um, with other people who did music and stuff. Um, I wouldn't have had that and I don't know, you know, I had that community of people and it's always something, it's one thing that people could never take away, even though they were trying to cuss me with the music thing, they, they couldn't take that away from me, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank God they didn't. <laughs> Seriously, thank God they didn't, because, again, as you know, 
Um, I've heard you, you know, play. I, I know you for your saxophone, but I know you play other instruments as well. And I, I guess I just remember one time where we had a, a school assembly in the small chapel, or whatever, and you were playing the saxophone. And I just remember saying, this is a mature, soulful sound. Like, I fell in love with the saxophone back then. I, I wasn't as passionate as you, but I remember thinking, I want to play the saxophone. I will never forget that day. Um, but obviously, that's my experience. <laughs> that's my experience of you playing. Yeah, and like I, I wish more people back then would have, would have told me that, like, how that was really good, like, I think people need to be more supportive in life and you know people need to hear that I really like that mm -hmm. sometimes you don't real people don't realize it and like they go on in life thinking everyone hates them for example when that might not be the whole truth mm -hmm. no that's that's a very good point and I the two things I pick up from this is one you you knew what you wanted to do from an early age which is which is very interesting, not many people do. Um, but two, there's something about support system that was very important. Um, even though you relied upon your own support system, um, it still would have been refreshing enough to sort of drive you through even more. But if we, if we soldier on through sort of like the Wimbledon college years and everything else, what happens during sort of like sixth form to like uni or, you know, onwards? Okay, so this these were the I'd say game changing moments. Even though I knew I was always going to do music, like there, there was no other choice. But um, I was on the train one day coming home from Wimbledon College, and I saw a little advert for the Brit School, and they were like, "Are you talented?" Da, da, da. And then I I quickly scribbled down the website, and I went home and checked it out, and I was like, "Wow, this this place is just for me." Like there's something about it and then I went to the open day and it, it just had certain magic about it and it still does the brick school did so much for me and I remember even my teacher discouraging me when I I was so happy when I got the acceptance letter because you had to audition to be part of it um and I I was like that like um Charlie in the Chocolate Factory with his golden ticket like reading it again <laughs> And um, mm -hmm. was like, oh, there's only bad schools in Croydon. Why do you want to go there? Yeah, but yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I'm doing. And going to the Brit School was the best thing I've ever done. It opened me to knowing like there's so much different things you can do in music. Mm -hmm. um, the class, the so I did a BTech in music there, mm -hmm. and a lot of people like go, oh, BTech is rubbish, but at the Brit School, they did it at a professional level. So when you did recording lessons, for example, it was in a state-of-the-art studio. So you really learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. um, the performances we did were really good, like in a fully decked-out theatre with proper sound and stuff. Um, and one of the defining things about the course is at the end, you had to put on your own event. And like, I did that with a friend and it was like wow I can do events like it's not that hard mm -hmm. and events is events is become something I've done like organizing gigs and people and stuff so it just really opened it's the best two years of my life everybody like you'd have 50 people in a year group and then 25 two classes of 25 mm -hmm. and 
you'd have rock musicians, you'd have gospel musicians, jazz musicians, all types of different people. Oh, wow. No. It's so just, much you can learn from. It's, it's like a music jungle. And you know what I find interesting? That, you know, for example, you learning how to do events now is something that people are only getting their teeth into after the whole uni phase or college phase. So no, I can I can see why this was this was really big for you. So you continue to do your B tech, and then what happened from there? What what did you do with that? What did you do with the connections? Like you must have met loads I, of creatives, loads of singers, loads of creatives, people I still keep in touch with today. Book for gigs, book for like follow their music and their journey. It was just a great base of things. And I think with music, you have to get yourself in loads of different circles. And that was a very good circle for me to be in. Because we hear about all the, like, Leona Lewis went there, Amy Winehouse went there. Mm. But, you know, there's so many people working in the arts. Because Brit School has, like, musical theatre, theatre, dance, technical theatre. So all those things under the same roof. So everybody, you know, I, I never felt there were school rules at Brit School because everyone just wanted to be there and wanted to do their best. And um, one thing that they said, um, be proactive, not reactive. And that mm, stuck with That's powerful. That's, I base I based my whole career on that because mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not going to sit here and wait for people to give me stuff to happen. I'm going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. Mm -hmm. um, another important thing I was doing Whilst I was at Brit School, I was I went to Junior Guildhall, which was the university I ended up going to, mm -hmm. which is Servitoire for Music, one of the like top ones in the country. So they had a little junior department, which they had a Saturday school. You'd do like lessons with people from orchestras or professionals, and then you'd have um, I did composition classes. I did, and that was a great experience. It was a tough experience because they. I did an audition and they said you weren't technically up to the level, but there's something about the way you play mm -hmm. that we're going to chance on you and you can come to the, to the school. And yeah, if I didn't go there, I wouldn't have got into the jazz course that I ended up doing at Guildhall. This is wow. Wow. I just feel like, you know, when I think you're one of the few I've interviewed who have really sort of like, um, shaped their environment from early to get to where they are now. And it, it may seem like tough decisions, but for some reason, I feel like it, it, it wasn't tough decisions for you. If anything, I felt like you were following something that you're hungry for. Yeah, I was. I was very, I still am, but I, I was very, especially at that age, very hungry mm -hmm. just to do well and, and just to be involved in music and just to, you know, live live my dream as it as it were, really. Mm -hmm. So, quick question for you: How difficult is it to learn a new instrument? Very difficult to start off with, um, because it's like learning a new language. You have to learn how to read the music. You have to learn the, the special techniques, and a lot of the techniques that you use for instruments is not everyday like movements you would do so it's this it's it's a difficult thing and it's it's about dedication it's about practice like if you practice doing it you'll get better so it's the hours you put in amounts to how good you'll get i think mm -hmm. uh, 
So, okay, so mo moving on swiftly onto the next couple of questions. Now, um, I, I asked Lewis Daniel to uh, perform at one of my book launches. And might I just say, like, he just got everyone swaying and moving and thinking about their childhood. Um, it, it was just amazing. Uh, it just really stood out as part of the main features of my event. And you, you're you actually part of a group called Saxsmith. Is that right? Yes. Uh -huh, so yeah. tell us about Saxsmith and how you guys formed. So I set this up primarily because I, I was doing an event for my company, Get Lifted, and it was a Christmas show, and I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do like a saxophone group, and there's a group called the Pentatonics, which are like a an a cappella group, um, and I was like, I'm going to, I really love their Christmas arrangements, I'm going to write them out by ear, and we're going to do them on saxophone, so I just got all my friends together, I was like, let's do this, and then when we did it, there was a sort of magic that was there, so we were like, let's continue doing it and like I kind of wanted to do a group like this just to you know when you're working sometimes you're not always playing so it keeps up the playing regularly and things like that um and it, it's still in its infancy but like I'm looking to take it quite big and and do festivals and do gigs and and it's it's breathing a new life into the saxophone quartet because it's normally quite cheesy or quite classical and we're all jazz musicians or mm -hmm. well, study jazz I wouldn't call myself a jazz musician I studied jazz so we you know I wanted to have that R&B stuff I wanted to have the dance stuff and all the pop stuff but put my own twist on it oh, so I wow. <laughs> I can see the vision that's that's why I had to interrupt you sorry I can really see the vision um I could, yeah ser seriously because you know, I, you can ask any people within my circle. I said, my next event is going to have um, someone playing the saxophone with that sort of jazz feel. Lo and behold, you were there. <laughs> so I can I can really feel it. And I, I really feel like there's a market for it. So, you know, going on from that, how do you aim to market yourselves and get yourselves out there? Primarily by doing so we need to get connecting with different bands there's a big like brass band scene doing like hip-hop and dance covers so connecting with them um doing our youtube stuff like at the moment we're trying to get like a continuous uh like 45 minute set with like beats on track as well to make it into a big production and a big performance which is taking time but it's going to be worth it once we get there but you know it's the it's branding it as well like i want to like, just done a new logo got a new logo designed um and i put loads of thought into how i wanted it to be and what i wanted it to represent and i just want people to be inspired to play the saxophone or get with their friends and do a little something together mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now that sounds extremely positive so is a lot of the marketing and branding done yourself or do you uh, do you outsource or do you have a team? How does it work? Pretty much, pretty much my, myself. Like um, uh, I've got a lot of contacts in different places who are good at maybe logo design, good at photography, good at stuff. But I do most of the pushing and promoting and social media. It's all, it's all 
me, but we all chip in and try and call contacts together and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes perfect sense. So I guess the, my next logical question is, how do you sort of set up gigs and events to play at or get noticed at and stuff? Uh, there's a few ways. Um, one, you can put it on yourself and promote it yourself. And and I do that a lot or join up with a group of people um, and that have a following uh, do some support slots for people in your same sort of lane. Um, a lot of it is easier than you think. Like, just email venues. If you've got good promo and you've, you've got the good spill, they'll they book you because they need to book bands. Um, I just don't... I just have, I haven't done that, like, explicitly with Saxsmith yet until we've got that production set so then I can go, look, bam... This is what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm organising actually a um, festival celebrating all different types of horns and brass instruments. So we're looking to play at that, and um, you know, it's things like that, basically making connections and stuff. I think that answered the question. No, I would say so. I would definitely say so. And it, it sounds like connections um, is a huge part of your success. And how do you sort of like continue to maintain those connections as well? It's just by actually being interested in what people are doing. It's not like connecting just because I want a gig. Like I want to connect with people who are on my wavelength. Um, social media has been one of the biggest tools that I've ever could use. And like I forgot one other thing is research. Mm-hmm. Like. I do a lot of research, like just scrolling through other bands, seeing what they're doing, seeing like how, what kind of things they're doing. So to get ideas of where I can place myself in a market. Um, yeah, it's, it's tons of research and you can do that in this age so easily. Um, yeah. So staying up with connections is just being genuinely interested in their projects and supporting and and creating community and creating links really yeah that makes perfect sense that makes perfect sense so we've talked about saxsmith that's one of the things that you're part of i want to talk about get lifted now originally i said it was you you were a co-founder is that accurate or are you the actual founder i am a co-founder i have a i have a business partner um called adam gray so whilst we were in uni we kind of rebelled against the jazz system because it was very like jump through hoops and it was a bit disheartening because i I love all types of music and i want really i want to be a musician rather than a jazz musician or a certain genre musician i want to do it all Mm -hmm. um so we started putting on our own events. We used to have a house band and then have like three or four different acts we like from the scene and promote stuff. And then it grew into a YouTube channel. And um, yeah, we ended up, we curated a stage at Shoreditch Unsigned Festival, which happened, was like a one-off festival in Shoreditch Park. We had a stage for like six hours. Oh, wow. One of the most populated stages at the festival i would say mm-hmm. um but like um, unfortunately like i've decided with get lifted like 
we're going to take a little bit of a break from it because so basically my business partner moved to Dubai for work okay and then kind of all on me and like other things happened in in those years as well like things have changed massively for me so we're not we're not calling it quits completely we're still keeping the company name and um we're just having a dormant company for a little bit and mm-hmm. then we'll see if we want to go back to it but yeah things have things have moved dramatically for me i think well it's it's so you you have this business partner they've moved to dubai um and your your company is probably going to go in dormancy how have you found working with a business partner in general excellent mm-hmm. i'm not good at everything i'm really not um dyslexic for one so that's that's another challenge for me it's good having someone like he's good at coding and web design and like i was talking about social media before like i would say i'm an introvert at heart so sometimes it's i'm not the one that's going to be the most chatty one in the room but social media can allow me to show what i do and connect with people on a smaller sort of more intimate level um so yeah you can't be good at everything so um it's been good and we're you just have to find the person who's on that wavelength but also sort of opposite to you in skill base mm-hmm. um yeah so was there a way you compromised that or has it just worked like did you say this is my criteria like how how did it sort of like function together how did it combine but we were just two two friends at the beginning that felt the same way about the jazz course so we decided let's put on our own nights and then it grew and we won a business award oh, um, wow. at, which gave us a bit of money to start up the company in a more proper formal way um so we, we kind of we kind of knew and i think that friendship is 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 key sometimes in business um so you know the person you're in business with and you know that this person's not good at this or doesn't like this so you can just be there and, and have their back really mm-hmm. um they say don't work with friends but i think in the music industry do work with friends people do book their friends that's that's the name of the game really it's interesting this this there's this freedom about this conversation that i really like um and it's going against a lot of the sort of like stereotypical notions you know in terms of you know following a certain courses and you know saying no to the establishment and doing what you want to do but then you know working with friends when people say don't work with your friends and keeping your circle not necessarily tight just making sure you sort of connect with the right people um i I really like it i really really admire it and you were talking about how you're an introvert at heart how have you been able to sort of like manage that when it comes to sort of working with people social media and everything else social media has been my best friend i would say um because it allows you to show what you're interested in let's take instagram for example you can show your life in pictures you can curate your life and curate what people are seeing um it's allowed me to 
like I like to be quite honest about my struggles and and things like that. And social media has allowed me to be that emotional person that people can really connect with. Um, oh shit! What's the question again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, the question was how are you able to deal with your introversion when you're doing business or on social media? How how do you manage it? Um, I, sometimes I go into work mode as well with the with the thing. I'm always like, I might feel like oh, I don't want to take this phone call. I don't want to speak in a room. But I think uh, being a musician is very good for introversion because you learn to be a performer. Like mm -hmm. I can stand in front of twelve thousand people and play and don't care. But sometimes speaking to a group of four people might be nerve-wracking nerve for me. Um, so it's, it's just been finding the right people to ally with. Mm. But, um, if I don't want to do something and outsourcing and that kind of thing, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, that makes perfect sense. And I like how you said that, ally with the right people. And it's very interesting to note that you'd be able to play in front of 12,000 people, but then there may be a different story in, in, in front of a few. So I, I know we focused on the fact that you're a musician and a creative, but I think it's obvious to say that you're also a business person and an entrepreneur. And I'd like to ask, like, what sort of skills or lessons have you learned along the way since you've been on this entrepreneurial journey? Ooh, um, choose your crew wisely, um, and ha you need help. You need a team. You need to you need to have connections with people and foster a sense of community. Um, you don't ever play music on your own, even if you're a solo artist, even if you're Beyonce, you'll have a backing band. <laughs> you know, you, it's a team sport, um, music, really, even if you're just the star person. Always be looking for opportunities and people to work with and be open to, to things that come your way, because sometimes stuff is time sensitive and you have to just jump and roll with it and go with i i like to say now try not to strangle things because that's another thing with get lifted i was like it has to work i'm going to strangle it i'm going to make it work but sometimes strangling something doesn't allow it to grow like organically like you need to be on the wave where you can you can be flexible and like change don't be afraid to just if something's not working just go okay not for now or you know not at all just and um having boundaries as well like not not letting people take you for a ride and being like i can accept this up to this point maybe mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so okay that's 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 really good advice and i can i can definitely relate with that i think what honed in for me was making sure that you have a team around you. Um, mm. And that seems to be a consistent message with your, 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 your conversation. Having the right people, or at least being in the environment where you can identify the right people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I was gonna say like, it's weird in music. For me, all my friends probably can play something even if they, they don't do music anymore. Mm. Um, it's having the right people who are, that's the thing like um so i've just moved to new cross um and i've 
and I met a group of friends here like a year ago and now they're like some of my closest friends but it's because this group of friends are not scared to create like two of them own a theatre company and they're about to start a venue which I'm on the board of to do music stuff within their venue um, and they just they're just open to creating stuff and they're not scared and they're not just like oh well will it make money and how will this work and how will that work like you don't need I'm not saying you need yes people but you don't need people being like oh well this might not work and that might not work try it like mm. especially in our age try it and go for it like you've got time to fail like a lot of times like at this age that's it leads me on to a very good question so do you think it do you think you need money to make money do you need money to make money um i suppose technically yes but not always i guess like it's taken if we think about it, it's taken me a lot of money to get to where i am to buy the instruments and stuff but then my parents bought me my instruments when i was young so it's like an investment sometimes you do need to spend you don't okay you need money to make money but you don't need a lot of money to make money okay that's the distinction yeah mm -hmm. so you should spend money on advertising you should spend money on a photo shoot if that's going to help you but you can do a lot of things on the cheap and you can do a lot of things well and there's a lot of people that will help you and do favors for you sometimes so <laughs> yeah sometimes be the key word but no I, I definitely i definitely um resonate with that and i think people sometimes can be a little bit shocked when they um discover how simple it is to do certain things um yeah. sorry you're gonna say something i was just saying i think you need that naivety in business almost to be like Oh, do you know what? I don't know. I've never done this before, but I'm just going to try it, whatever. And, you know, you discover it's not, not that hard because people like to mystify things and be like, oh, you've got to do this step and this step. But mm -hmm. the truth is mm -hmm. there's so many different paths you can take. There's infinite ways of getting to the same destination. So just try it. Of course. Now, am I right in saying that um, you do this I, I say you do this like it's one thing, but it really isn't. But all of all of the things that you do is basically your full time uh, profession, should we say? Income? Uh, yeah. yeah, it is. I earn all my music, my money from music. That's incredible. That's incredible. And you've got you, you're renting your own property. Yeah, right, right now. Yeah, this is. I've only just moved in. This is my first rented property. I've only moved in. Um, a couple a month ago maybe so um, yeah I've managed to get to that stage where income is coming like it's it's not all from playing but um, and some is from like teaching but it's not all about my brand isn't all about playing anyway mm. so I guess that's this this is interesting for some of the people listening like how does one prepare themselves to transition and what I mean by that is transition from maybe uh, a full-time like job or whatever it is to uh, their passion pro project or, you know, uh, an entrepreneurial endeavor. How does one transition? 
I think with music, with music, you need to be doing a mixture of the stuff that just pays the bills, which often is teaching, because you can you can pay your rent from two or three days of teaching. You can you can do that, um, and then if you just do two or day three days teaching, you'll have the rest of the week to do, you know, your creative stuff and your evenings as well. So, mm. you know you do a mixture of stuff and then you slowly build on your your projects and like I've been involved with projects which in three years they got signed in fact that's the house gospel choir which is one of my closest projects to me at the moment wow. um, they got signed to island records in three four years so wow and their first like Glastonbury so it's, it's totally possible mm-hmm. yeah that's 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 really that's really really inspiring to hear and i guess what i like about it is that it wasn't just haphazard you know it, it was strategic um yeah. it sounds like you focused on things that paid the bills but you know still allowed you to utilize what you know but you also created the time to create mm-hmm. that's fantastic so time management must be a thing for you i guess um, how do you, how how do you manage your time? Because you know you've got an additional two or three days in terms of the working week, but mm. it's your own time that you have to manage. So you have to create your own structure. I'm assuming. Yes, it's, it can be very testing at times. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so how do you deal with it? It's like certain periods of the year. So maybe your January to. Um, April will be quite dry month so you can use that often to create projects or to build things when your work is is a bit low and you're just doing mostly teaching when it comes to summer everyone's doing their summer festivals summer tours summer rehearsals summer everything everyone wants to do things in summer so it's it gets crazy Um, if you're a musician you're working on the weekends like that's just the name of the game Um, I don't mind because it's my passion. You ma- I manage my time by doing priorities. Like I might have a, I always have a to-do list of like 20 things to do, but you just have to be like, what is the project coming up now? Mm-hmm. Create a time frame. Like if you think I need two weeks to write a show for this artist, then clear out that two weeks and focus just on the writing, do the other stuff you've got to do. Um, but you know, utilize time as well like if you're on a train for an hour you can do work like you can utilize that dead time um calendars is very important diaries putting everything in the diary and blocking time blocking um recently i've realized you can only do about three main tasks in the day before you reach exhaustion so i agree with that 100 percent. i find exactly the same thing it's weird you say that yeah, but like if it's if it's like three main tasks, that's fifteen tasks you can get done in a working week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a fantastic that's, way to put it, actually. Yeah, that is a fantastic way to put it, and and at least that way it's measurable. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Deadlines. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. If you're doing your own project, yes, that can go on for years, but set yourself a deadline be like i need to write this by now i need to (laughs) by now i like it (laughs) 
<laughs> but I know you're being deadly serious. That's why I'm laughing. I actually am. Yeah. Like, it's so important. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it gets on top of you and you're like, oh, the gig's tomorrow. I haven't done any of this work. I've got 10 different songs to write and I'm, I'm going to have to do an all-nighter. I'm not into that. Like, nah. So, actually, you, you touched on a good topic there. So, your songwriting, like, mm-hmm. how does that work? So, do you... Is it just independent stuff? Are you writing for other people? And is there a commission thing that happens? How does that work? So the way in the context I do songwriting, it's more like instrumental work. So it's more instrumental arranging. So like um, I, I'm I specialize in sort of horn section writing. So that's like trumpet, trombone, and saxophone together. Um, and I'm really good at coming up with like nifty lines that will go on top of a track that will complete it. So maybe I'll go and have an in, not an interview, have a meeting with an artist, see what they want to do, then just go away independently, then try it out with my section. And then we'll either get paid a fee to record that stuff and I'll get like a fee for writing it. And then when uh, we haven't, I'm on the verge of doing more bigger things. So then there'll be royalties that will come into play with that. Yeah, so I've only been doing the horn section thing for a year and a half, but yeah, with the horn section stuff, I'm wanting to, I'm working on a remix project with a DJ um, called Harrison, who DJs for the House Gospel Choir. Mm -hmm. So we're taking songs like um, Cardi B, Bodak Yellow, and we're doing like our own like Afrobeats version. Oh, wow. 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 Sorry to interrupt there. <laughs> I could just see it. I, I get the vision. Yeah. It, I, I'm really, I'm really excited for that project. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping like DJs all across the country will want to get hold of this. Cause it's going to be a free download. And then, you know, there's different levels. I want musicians to like it. I want um, club goers who like the song to like it. I want, dancers to do choreography to it and all this stuff mm-hmm. yeah well I, I truly do hope that that happens and you know with the right faith and execution i'm sure it will so i've got three more sort of like major questions to ask okay. and then we'll move on to sort of like the rapid questions so first one is yeah. in terms of venues um how do you get and obtain venues for recording or doing events like how, how do you go about it for events um i will look where again research where people are doing events and and word of mouth because again all my friends are musicians some of them have their own projects so i'll ask them how they go about it sometimes you have to pay like a um rental f- sort of fee for the space like maybe like 100 150 pounds and then you you sell tickets on the door or like i do it like online so get advanced money and stuff and then for recording um again through mates a lot of friends have little studio setups or a lot of times when i'm recording i'll go we will be hired to go to a studio on someone's projects and just turn up and play so um that's that really do you have any sort of recommended sites or links that people can check out 
what for for venues? Yes. See that I don't because it's all it differs because with events there's so many variables like where do the people hang out for your music? Where are your audience? Will people be able to easily get to this venue? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, the main one I'm working on anyway is is a venue in Deptford, which is gonna be this theatre that's opening, but it's gonna be an all arts venue. So there's visual artists working on it, there's musicians, there's actors. So it's it's gonna be a really cool space. I'm really, really excited. It's not my venture, but mm-hmm. it's gonna benefit us all, which is gonna be amazing. Good, good, good. Referrals seem to be the big thing. I'm 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 loving it, you know, it's who you know. So my my next question to you is uh, what do you plan to do uh, next in terms of like for Lewis Daniel? Like, what are you planning to do next? Musically, hmm. I want to write more of my own material. I write for a lot of people, so that that biscuit horns and the the DJ remix project is a first step into that because. It's not my song, but all I'm keeping is the vocal line. I'm basically redoing everything on the track. So that's a step. Um, I'm really going with the flow with a few things. Like I'd love to get a pop tour with a like pop artist. That would be really, really cool because that's something I've always wanted to do. Um, and it's just like getting myself out there more as a player really and just playing more and having more and more better opportunities to do stuff um i want one of my projects to be successful mm-hmm. um you know no something that i've had an entrepreneurial hand in mm-hmm. even if it's not solely my project i want it to that's a sort of aim and i'd love to be able to phase out you do like things like teaching, function gigs. Um, I'd love to be able to do less of those or just the stuff that I really, really enjoy out of those and then do mostly creative work. That's my big aim, I guess, in general. Well, as they say, consistency breeds success. So, you know, with time, something will come through. And I guess the last major question before we go into the rapid questions is where can you see the industry going in the next five to 10 years. And by the industry, I mean creative music. I'm gonna call it creative music. Where can you see it going in the next five to 10 years? Creative music. We're in the age where someone like me can exist. You know, Mm. I saw about Tiny, that Tiny Temple was saying like, kids of today will laugh when you, you know, People were like, how can you be a fashion designer and a musician and a this? But that's totally what the kids coming up now will be doing, and that will just be normal. I think that would be much more normalised that you can have two or three careers related or even unrelated going together in tandem to make your brand as a personality. That's where I see it going, I think. That's that's fantastic Forza. And I, I I definitely concur with that one hundred percent. Well, we're on to the rapid questions. So I'm gonna ask you seven rapid questions. I've already asked you one of the eight. 
Um, answer these as honest as possible and as quickly as possible. Most people fail on that part, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead with it. So first question, what are your top three personal development and or business related books? Oh, I've got to remember them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Four hour work week. Excellent. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a book called The One Thing. Yep. Uh, and uh, personal development, because I, I love like that kind of stuff. Uh, you Do You, mm -hmm. um, Sarah, amazing book, life-changing book. Fantastic. Fant that was pretty quick, by the way. What influences do you follow and listen to? I love I love YouTube actually. It's just real people talking about real stuff, and you can find some anyone you can relate to, um, and that's what I like. That the media is becoming more from the people to the people. Um, I like blogs. I like um, just just my friends. They're all doing cool stuff, and they've got cool people they follow. So I love to see oh they talk about their artists that they like and i'll go and click and see who that is and it all grows and grows like a tree really mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so next question what do you hope for lewis daniels oh gosh to be truly to be truly happy and to to feel really really just comfortable comfortable in what I'm doing and feeling like I've got this and, and secure and uh, I guess financial security as well. So I don't have to worry too much about that and, and be able to have my music and projects be recognized at a higher level to more people. Mm -hmm. So next question is, what services do you offer? Um, teaching i can write you stuff i can do events for you can play saxophone and clarinet and perform for you i've done like backing vocals and things for that so um yeah all of those main those are my main things and i have little other bits but they're just things i'm interested in really. okay and uh next question is what is success to you <laughs> um Success is being able to be recognised at a level that you want to be recognised at, really, and that's different for everybody, and being able to do your best, and I guess, being happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And following on from that question is, what three things do you think people need in order to be successful? Determination slash resilience. Um, you need to be uh, entrepreneurial, be able to see different opportunities opening and and and, and jump on them. Um, I really think you need to be a nice person because mm. people say people la finish last. That's just the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And the final question is, if you could go back five years in time, what advice would you give to yourself? 
you're not a crack musician, you're far from it. Just because you don't fit into a system doesn't mean you're crap. I'll try not to swear, but I was going to say no. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and just like eventually, you will find you'll find your tribe, and they will elevate you to where you need to be and encourage you. That's that is fantastic stuff, and I just want to say thank you so much for being part of this podcast interview. Where can people find you? So my Instagram is um, at Lewis J. Daniel. Um, no, it's at Lewis J. Dan. Sorry, what am I saying? Um, I've got different like accounts for different things. So at Biscuit Horns is for my horn section. And you can see our EP developing. Um, at Saxsmith Group is our other handle i'm on um twitter as well with the same handles um i'm also on mixcloud because i like to dj sometimes um yeah that's that's about it yeah fantastic thank you very much lewis and i'd like to say to everyone take care god bless and have a fantastic rest of the day peace (laughs) 